0: Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Community Radio's national show about workers' rights and social justice. I'm Diana Beaumont, coming to you from 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. The New Year's only just begun, but there's heaps going on in the workers' movement worldwide. Stick Together presenter Jack Barry has just arrived back from a trip to Argentina where he met activists from the workers' control movement. He'll join us later in the show with an update about one particular garment workers' co-op made famous in Naomi Klein's documentary, The Take. And staying with the international theme, I'll also speak later in the show to Peter Murphy, former coordinator of the SEARCH Foundation, about the game-changing victory of the left-wing coalition Syriza in the Greek national elections. But first, let's begin our international program with some local news from here in Melbourne. Um, workers at the food flavourings factory IWF, are occupying their lunchroom out in Dandenong after their employer tried to stop EBA negotiations and lock the workers out. The workers, who are members of the National Union of Workers, the NUW, were due to begin minor industrial action today, refusing to do any paperwork, but the boss responded by locking the workers out. But the workers took the situation into their own hands, refusing to leave, and instead are staging an ongoing sit-in in their lunchroom. And speaking to me now from IWF is one of the site delegates, Arthur Inglis, who's going to give us an update on the situation. Arthur, thanks for joining us.
1: Morning, how are you?
0: Um, can you describe the situation down there for us? What's morale like and what are you workers doing to maximise the impact of the lunchroom sit-in?
1: Um, I think just being here has provided unbelievable leverage and certainly progressed the situation far beyond what it would had we, had we chosen to stay outside and uh, effectively been able to be ignored by the company. By being inside, they've been forced to address several, several issues. Um, principally, one was police presence to address the issue of trespass.
0: So the company was trying to charge you, its own workers with trespass, for staying in the lunchroom when they tried to lock you out?
1: It, it certainly was an option they appeared to be exploring and it was made absolutely clear to, uh, to, to the members of the police force that, yes, we recognise the position but by the same token we would be carried out in, in the manner of passively resisting any attempt to... Uh, to to remove us. They would physically have to pick us up and carry us out.
0: Mm. And how did the situation come to this? Tell us about the issues that were stopping you and the company from reaching agreement on a new EBA.
1: The EBA negotiations have been progressing since approximately September. When I say
0: progressing that
1: may not be the word to use but they have been in train since about September last year. The company presented us with what they saw as being an acceptable BBA to them, which included removing two paid 10-minute breaks a day. It included removing a sick leave bonus paid on uh, non-use of sick leave in the working year. And uh, a wage rise of 50, 55 cents an hour, which uh, effectively was, uh, I suppose, saying so you can have anything you like as long as you want to pay for it.
0: And what were the workers asking for?
1: Basically, our position was that we wanted a a reasonable pay rise that reflected cost of living increases and to leave it at that.
0: So essentially the company was asking for you to take cuts in your working conditions. Arthur, can you tell us why you think it's especially important to take a stand against the bosses' cuts in this political climate more broadly?
1: Because if you don't stand up for what you've got, you'll eventually end up with nothing to stand up
0: for. And while you've been in the lunchroom today, you've released some photographs publicly of a statement for a fair Australia. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Well, again, it gets back to what we've been talking about, is that the erosion of workers' rights and the erosion of conditions is not to recognise the part that labour plays in the productive process, and it's to reward capital. And you see uh, time and again that the mantra of the shareholder and the justification of the shareholder is being held up as the only justification. Mm. And yes, we acknowledge that the important part that capital plays in this process, but it's got to recognise where that productivity comes from.
0: We're speaking to Arthur Ingalls, who's one of the delegates out at IFF in Dandenong, where the workers are staging a sitting in the lunchroom after their employer tried to lock them out. Um, my last question, Arthur, is um, what kind of community solidarity have you had?
1: Um, excellent. We, uh, being in the lunchroom, we we being we can't exactly see what's going on outside, but certainly there's a caravan out there, there's a barbecue out there, and there's people who are making. Our, uh, our stand against inequity
0: visible. Fantastic. Well, I can hear there's a lot going on there, so we might wrap it up there. Um, I certainly hope by the time this goes to air, the situation's been resolved and the employers back down from you know, their attempt to cut back your wages and conditions. Arthur, thanks so much for joining us today on Stick Together.
1: Pleasure to mind, mate. Thank you.
0: And anyone on social media can follow the hashtag OccupyDandyNong on either Twitter or Facebook to get more news about the workers sit in at the IFF Food Flavourings Company in Nong. Stay tuned to Stick Together, coming up next, our international focus on Greece and Argentina.
2: You're listening to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. Every week on the Community Radio Network.
0: Greek voters have just elected the Coalition of the Radical Left, Syriza, in national elections last weekend. Syriza promises now to end the policies of austerity and reverse the widespread poverty created by the severe cuts to public services, wages and social welfare in Greece. Syriza promises also to renegotiate the international loans that its predecessor government agreed to and reduce the debt repayments that in 2015 will amount to €22.6 billion. Euros. To discuss what Syriza's victory might mean for working people in Greece, we're joined by former Search Foundation coordinator and regular guest of 3CR's Tuesday Hometime program, Peter Murphy. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Uh, day, Diana. It's great to be on.
0: Um, in my introduction to the show earlier, I described ceres's victory as game changing for Europe. Do you think that's an exaggeration?
3: no, it's it's hard to find the words to to say how significant this election outcome is, not only for Greece but for Europe, and really a bit I think on the global scale as well. It's because uh, the the policies applied in Greece were so they were very harsh, but they represent the the really fixed uh, view of very big uh, banking and, and other capital, um, who who wield power in every pretty well every country, and uh, on the other hand was the people uh, of Greece uh, struggling to stay alive under their policies. So by challenging these conventional neoliberal um, economic policies and political attitudes. I think it is it is a game-changer. Just exactly how it plays out is going to be incredibly dramatic and mm. uh, will be important to us in Australia as well.
0: Uh, Syriza's predecessor government tried to reduce Greece's um, debt by cutting social services and government spending and public sector employment, but... Of course, what it actually did was shrink the economy and worsen the recession. What's it been like for Greeks living under the austerity program, this situation that Syriza describes as a humanitarian crisis?
3: Well, it's, again, it's really hard to find adjectives. Uh, but uh, for, for four years now, people in Greece who, who had really quite uh, stable lives and a relatively you know, prosperous lives, Um, are out on the streets in the dark hours of the morning searching for food Um, lots of people are relying on soup kitchens Uh, many people have lost their homes many, many families have lost members to suicide Uh, and there's been a significant uh, emigration from Greece by young people seeking work and of course people from urban areas have also retreated to their uh, parents' villages and tried to at least have some kind of basic uh, living there based on gardening and farming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been truly devastating uh, for the Greek people, except for the super rich, you know, everybody has suffered. And in the, what it was suffering for, the, the level of debt compared to the GDP is only increased in these four years. It's now... and uh, I think when they started the exercise, it was about 130%. Mm. So it's absolutely a failure and a a really huge uh, crime against the people, I think.
0: Yeah, Now government spending is you know, ruled out because the debt is so high and the government is expected to pay back so many billions of euros. So this debt crisis is, is really the central question. But I think one sort of barrier for some people for supporting Serisa is that they they don't see how it's fair that That Greece shouldn't pay back the money that it owes to international creditors. There's obviously a political argument behind this. Can you explain why Syriza and other leftists argue that debt is an unfair burden on the Greek people and that it shouldn't be repaid or should be significantly reduced?
3: I think they've got two arguments. One of them is that a significant part of the debt which was revealed by uh, the Prime Minister Papandreou in 2008 was uh, secret you know, no one knew that it had even been taken on board by parts of the government. So that that's the first thing, that the people don't believe that they played any role in uh, taking on some of the debt. But since then, since these uh, so-called bailout packages have come, uh, really Greece has been borrowing money from the Euro uh, troika to pay back the debt. So they've been borrowing new debt to pay back the old debt and as i just said you know the actual level of debt has got bigger not smaller so they're starving people to death but they're not paying back able to pay back the debt so it's a, it's a uh, it's not it's a futile illogical uh, and inhuman policy to try to pay the debt so it's like a, a bankruptcy situation with a company or even a family if you can't pay your debts you, you shouldn't uh, die, you know, from starvation at home. There, there is an orderly way to declare you cannot pay the debt and the debt is wiped out. Uh, some of your assets, or all, all of them perhaps, are sold to pay some of the debt, but then you don't have any debt. You can start again. But in this situation, Greece will just die. Um, it, it's not being allowed to find a way to start again. But Syriza is the hope that... There will be a new start.
0: And what else is the new Syriza government in Greece promising to do besides renegotiate international debt? What's its political program?
3: Well, it's uh, very practical, and I think this is why a significant part of the uh, new democracy vote and PASOK vote went across to Syriza this election. Uh, So they're promising to... Uh, reconnect the electricity to homes in the urban areas that have been cut off because they couldn't pay their power bills. And uh, they're also promising to provide medicine in the public uh, health system uh, that has been uh, cut off due to budget cuts so that uh, chronically ill people can get medical support. So you see how basic it is. And then the next thing they've done is promised to double the minimum wage, which was cut back. Uh, So it's a a promise of um, immediate relief to those people who've got a job and have had their wages cut severely 30 to 40 percent in these last few years. And uh, as well, they've promised to restore the pensions for the old people um, to what they were before. So again, people could have an immediate assistance to recover from the gross poverty they're they're suffering. Mm. Um, And then on top of that, they promised to create, uh, I think, uh, 30,000 new jobs in the public sector immediately. Um, This is a a way to stimulate the economy. It's something we're a bit familiar with in Australia. So these are actually the really practical things that uh, they're they're, uh, saying they can do. And I think, uh, from what I've heard, you know, Greek people are very pra- practical about it and you know, very sceptical of governments in general. But they say, you know, if, if Syriza could do even half of that, then, you know, everyone would be jubilant. Mm-hmm. So the big drama it will be, as Syriza government tries to, to do these things very quickly um, to help the people get off their knees, then... Uh, the, what will be the uh, policy of uh, the European Central Bank, the European Commission and the IMF. That, that's the drama.
0: Um, Syriza has announced that it will form government with the socially conservative and nationalist party, the Independent Greeks, or Arnel. Um What will that mean for Syriza's political program, given that the two have ideological differences, but also some things in common?
3: Yes, I'm not sure, uh, Diana. I think... Uh since Syriza is just one or two votes short of a, uh, a um, majority of it in its own right in the parliament, uh, it, it does need a few more votes. Uh, definitely, to for, and they've done it to form the government quickly. And I think that what it means is that uh, this ANEL is accepting the basic economic uh, program that uh, Syriza put to the people, um, but there will be differences over some social policies. And of course, you know, Syriza is a very progressive leftist. Uh, uh, party, very strongly uh, pro-feminist, uh, pro-ecology, very democratic. Um, they'll be very uh, supportive of refugees and migrants, anti-racist, and so on. So there will be some clashes with a nationalist group, but Anel is nothing like Golden Dawn. So um, I think you know this, uh, uh, You can expect Syriza to get enormous flack from all sorts of directions, and uh, this, this coalition partner will be a source of some flack. But I think it's uh, far too soon to uh, be criticising them. It's that day, day one of the government only. Um, and the, the really urgent thing was to, to form a government, get sworn in, and then uh, start to try to implement the very urgently needed policies. So uh, I, think, I think there'll be some problems with ANEL, but on the core economic policies, nationalists feel that Greece has been humiliated. And it's really true. The Greek people have been really whacked. So there's there's a, there's, there's a lot of common ground in, in the sense that people need hope, and they they need really practical measures to assist now.
0: Well, here on Stick Together, we're so pleased to have such a good news story for a change that finally there's a left-wing government elected in Greece in the form of Sarissa and its coalition. I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again in the near future to see how their program unfolds. Peter Murphy, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Diana. It's great.
2: Stick Stick together.
0: Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together.
2: Stick together.
0: Stick together.
2: Stick Together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio.
0: And remember, you can get podcasts of this and other Stick Together programs at 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and you can get more news about workers' rights and social justice at Stick Together's Facebook page or our Twitter feed. And now to finish today's show, we're joined by Stick Together presenter Jack Barry on the other side of the microphone today, who's just back from Argentina. Argentina went through a severe economic crisis in 2001, but instead of passively accepting job losses and factory closures, many Argentinian workers and political organisations mobilised to occupy closed factories and businesses and resume operation under workers' control. More than a decade later, Argentina has a thriving workers' control movement with at least five different federations of workers' cooperatives and thousands of successful examples of workers' self-management. Jack Barry went to visit some of these workplaces during his recent trip to Argentina, and he joins us today to tell us how they're going. Jack, thanks for joining us. Oh,
2: thanks for having me.
0: Um, so one of the most internationally recognised examples of workers' control in Argentina is the garment factory Brookman that featured prominently in Naomi Klein and Avi Lewis's film The Take. Uh, you went to visit Brookman, but before we hear about what you found there, let's listen to an excerpt from The Take about the struggle to win workers' control over that factory back in 2001. It left an indelible impression on me. Here was an old-school garment factory taken over by its 58 seamstresses. I visited my share of garment factories in the developing world. What pervades them all is a sense of powerlessness. If workers demand better conditions, multinationals simply shut down and move. Before their occupation, the women of Brookman were in exactly that dilemma... The owners had slashed their salaries and were threatening to shut down. One day, the owners simply abandoned the factory. The workers decided to keep it running, and the rest is history.
3: We get a midnight phone call, but it's not from Freddie. Another factory has been evicted, the Brookman Suit Factory. The police have fenced in the entire block, and they're welding shut the factory gate. Uh, They they are trying to to put us in the position of fighting back. And actually, the forces are, are so uneven that the repression is going to be very hard. But for us, it's like the moment of truth, really because actually what we are trying to defend is the main core of our democratic struggle at this very site.
0: That was an excerpt of The Take, the documentary made by Naomi Klein and Avi Lewis back in 2001. So back in 2001, when they finished filming, the Brookman factory was still locked up and the workers weren't even allowed in. Uh, Jack Barry, what did you find when you visited Argentina just a couple of weeks ago?
2: Well, we found some very happy workers, very happy workers that had recovered their dignity, they'd recovered their workplace for themselves. Shortly after that, in 2002, the um, government gave them legal title to the workplace. Um, and so they've, ever since then, they've been um, continuing to do what they'd been doing before. They were workers, but now they ran their own workplace. Every worker has the same um, say in what happens, an equal vote in meetings that decide um, who does what and how they do it, and they all get equal pay. So they were very dignified, very happy um very happy to be controlling their workplace.
0: But it's certainly not an isolated case in Argentina. Talk about the breadth of the workers' control movement in Argentina.
2: The workplace at Brookman is part of a movement of recovered factories. They call them recovered factories. They've been recovered from the workers. Workers have put so much work and toil into the place and now they've recovered their work back and now they're owners of of their own workplaces. And there's a, a movement that the Brookman... Factory is part of it's three hundred and eighty different industries, with thousands of workers, and they meet once a month to exchange goods and services. And they're from all different types of workplaces, from bakeries to metalwork to large industrial factories. Now that, that's just one of five different work um, federations of cooperatives that have different political affiliation and coordinate amongst themselves as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in 2001, the government and the armed forces violently repressed workers who tried to take control of their workplaces. What's the current Argentinian government's position on workers' control?
2: It's different to almost any other government in the world. They're very supportive of workers' struggles in that there is a government program that's currently paying 4 million people to set up cooperatives, workplace worker-run cooperatives. They've given legal title to many different um, workers cooperatives. <coughs> um, I mean, with, with problems and there's, there's been confrontations with different workers groups. So not not every government's perfect, but in compared to just about any other government in the world, this is a government that's very supportive. With, with the women of Brook- Brookman, the government was um, instrumental to make sure that the national airline that's owned by the government has all its uniforms made by the women at Brookman. So that. Just as, as with Brookman, many other work, worker-controlled industries have had big government contracts which have really been a lifeline for them. They've had um, government subsidies to keep them going. So now the government has a policy that any industry that shuts down because it's bankrupt or it wants to offshore or it thinks it can um, manufacture cheaper or easier in an easier way overseas – the government's encouraging the workers to take it over and put it under workers' control, which has happened just um, just last December and and in November there was a factory in the state of New Ken where the state government um, legal, gave the workers legal title to a factory that had been occupied for several months. So that that's the situation that that's the way the government's responding to to workers' demands.
0: Well, encouraging workers' control is only one aspect of the broader social and economic program of the Kirchner government in Argentina. Talk about other ways that this government has significantly improved the lives of working people in Argentina.
2: Well, there's new collective agreements being written in just about every industry. So there's this many strikes being um, run by um, by unionised workers, which the government isn't repressing. And the government's coming in many times on the side of the workers, encouraging them to form better collective agreements. There's unemployment benefits which weren't did not exist before this government. So before there was a significant rate of child hunger, and now there's a subsidy for every child that's living in poverty to attend school. Um, there's unemployment benefits, benefits for everyone else. There's been a six-fold increase in health and education spending, um, there's been protection for local industries, so they don't have to compete with the nastiest work conditions in the world. Um, so th- these are just some of the, the the things that the government has done to bring the unemployment rate from fifty percent to now less than ten. Um, there's been massive work on human rights, so is that all the military from the last dictatorship is is now in jail awaiting trial. This is something that's quite unique in in Latin America and the world.
0: Mm. You're listening to Stick Together. I'm Diana Beaumont and today Jack Barry's on the other side of the microphone telling us about his recent trip to Argentina and about what he learned about the workers' control movement over there. Uh, Jack, the last question I wanted to ask is a, a more general one. Mm-hmm. Why does workers' control represent such more significant progress than union organising does?
2: Because a union agreement, as good as it is, it does it does organise workers and it does give them better dignified conditions and safer conditions and it's it's very valuable but at the end of the day you're signing an agreement a a collective agreement which continues exploitation in the workplace which means that one individual will continue to use the work of others to enrich himself and workers control goes beyond that no one has more of a say than anyone else in that workplace and so how that wealth is distributed is decided by the workers what the work conditions are how they work um that's also decided so workplace workplaces that are under worker control are very safe because no worker is going to elect to do something dangerous to himself or to his fellow workers they're very environmentally friendly because they don't want to contaminate the place that they live in or the place that they work in they're not going to w- want to work with toxic co- chemicals and they're much more dignified people really feel that ownership over their workplace so they're much happier workers and I've seen that in workplace in workplaces that are under work control in Argentina, in Venezuela, um, where this is a growing way of taking people out of poverty, but also dignifying workers that are already you know li- living well, but. Continue to be exploited by a system that doesn't really care about them, just cares about making a buck off them. Now, a lot of listeners will think, "Well, this is something that must be very Latin American, and mustn't you know, is it's not something that will really happen here in Australia." But just on the first of December last year, a workplace here in Dandenong was collectivised and put under workers' management for workers' control, um, where every worker has the same vote. And that's the, um, the Eureka's Future um, factory for um, working with Earthworker to make the steel tanks for solar hot water services. So it can happen here. It is happening here. It's expanding here. There are other cooperatives in the making. And so I think this is a, a solution for a lot of workplace problems here in Australia as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, Jack, thanks for the interview today. And like you said, workers' control is a theme relevant across the world and really the next step that our union movement should be taking.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: But that's all we have time for today on Stick Together. Of course, Stick Together is broadcast from 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast across the country on the Community Radio Network. We'd like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for its ongoing financial support of the program. I'm Diana Beaumont. Thank you for listening and do go to 3CR's website for more information and past programs of Stick Together.